0: Hi, it's Wire. gamblersadvisory.com, a free site, bettingangle.us, a free site. Remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, let me just say, Jake Paul beat me last night. Uh, I had the other guy. Got great odds. I didn't think Jake Paul would be able to... Figure things out until the later rounds. He proved me wrong. More importantly, this is a very important fight film to watch. Right? You want to look at not just what Jake Paul accomplished, which was impressive. First round knockout. But you want to look at what he tried to accomplish. And you want to see how close to accomplishing that he is. Right, folks? Let me just say he's very close. He sees himself as a world-class fighter. Right? He wants a boxing title. No gimmicks. So you can tell he has spent a lot of time, I mean a lot of time, working on his game, working on his foot speed, working on his level of fitness. Why don't we start there? When you look at Jake Paul, you're going to notice that he is in great shape. I know the story before this fight was his weight, right? We were hearing, oh, Jake Paul, you know, weighed just a shade under 200 pounds. Right, folks, he's completely fit. I have no question in my mind, even though this fight was just an eight-round fight, I have no question in my mind that this guy is fit to go against world-class opposition. Right? have no question. Let me also point out, too, and here's where it gets a little bit provocative. In the comment section, tell me if you agree. Tell me if you disagree. Give us your take. But this fight is a reverse Ryan Garcia fight. We all know Ryan Garcia has a great left hook. You know that because Ryan Garcia throws it too many times in fights. There's no secret involved. Right? Ryan Garcia comes out. He's trying to walk down even a Gervonta Davis, and he's throwing left hooks. Opponents understand Ryan Garcia is going to throw left hooks. In his last fight, Ryan Garcia came up with some new defensive constructs where he's turning away from his opponent and things like that. But you understood his offense was going to be left hook centric. Now, it's very important here to realize that Jake Paul has what I consider to be An A-level straight right hand. Right, folks? Just look at the Nate Robinson fight. Just look at the Ben Ashgren fight. Nate Paul can put you down with that straight right hand. But in this fight, and it's noteworthy, he doesn't throw it. In this fight, he comes out. Keep in mind, in the pre-fight interviews and what have you, he talked about wanting a first-round KO. You thought he would come out with his best weapon to try to get the KO. You thought this was about marketing. Understand, Jake Paul's a CEO. Right? His events are a bit upside down. He's the boss. He's the one who has actively participated in picking the opponent and picking the venue. He's making decisions that promoters and managers would make for traditional fighters. You thought, okay, he's talking about a first-round KO in the same way that you would imagine if Deontay Wilder were talking about a first-round KO, that Wilder would be trying to throw his straight right. Or Ryan Garcia, if he were talking about a first-round KO, would be trying to throw his left hook. You thought that Jake Paul would try to walk down his opponent and land a big straight right hand. Folks, that's not what happened. Understand Andre August comes out, and August is a fighter who's an inside fighter. He wants to get underneath the taller guy. He wants to lodge that taller guy up against the ropes. Then he wants to beat you with volume inside. He's a shorter guy. He knows how to hide himself up close on you. Here, you notice in the first few moments of the fight, Andre August is a little bit puzzled. There's no there to go to. Because believe it or not, Jake Paul, in a fight in which Jake Paul has called a first round knockout, isn't there ready to have a pocket set up so he can throw his primary weapon. No, Jake Paul comes out and he's moving. Right? August is looking at him, doesn't know where to set up shop. Let's talk about the movement too. Folks, this isn't movement. This isn't Sander Martin where the guy is moving because that's his default game and he's trying to have negative energy to offset your energy. No, Jake Paul is moving so he can get to a new spot to throw power shots. Right, folks? It was a jaw-dropping opening. Right? I I looked at the opening and I thought, you got to be kidding me. Strip away everything else. Strip away the persona, strip away the excessive exuberance that his corner has entering the ring in a title fight against a professional prize fighter who might beat them, right? Strip away all of that, right? All of the playing to the camera and things like that. Everyone reaching for a Celsius drink because Celsius, I gather, was some kind of sponsor to the event. Strip away all of that. When the fight starts, you notice Jake Paul moving. You notice Jake Paul, and this is important, trying out other shots, right? One of the best that he throws, and it was really a stop-the-press moment, was on the move, he paused for a second, and he threw a great-looking, And you could tell he worked on this in the gym, left hook. Right, folks, he is a puncher, and he's trying to do more than throw his best punch. Right, so it seemed that the fight just started to settle down. Paul is still moving, right? But Paul is throwing big shots. Paul is unpredictable. He's reading movement, right? You notice he doesn't look labored moving. You notice he looks to be in the best shape of his career. This is several fights in. He was not in this level of shape. He certainly didn't have this ability with both hands to throw power shots on the move. And then he puts the cherry on top of the sundae. With a mobile jab, he's moving. Right? With August, with his hands up. Jake Paul hits him with a stiff left hand. It's a stiff jab. And then rather than come over the top with his best punch, a straight right, Paul instead against a shorter fighter dips his shoulder and lands an excellent right uppercut. Folks, that's the fight. Right? That's the fight. Let me let me point out too that August tries to get up. He was not in shape to continue. Let's be critical here. Now, Paul obviously has the volume edge. He's the more active fighter. There's no question about that. It is a little disturbing that August throws 10 punches and lands six of them, right? August, for short fight, lands at a 60% connect ratio, right? But make no mistake, this Jake Paul is even more dangerous than the Jake Paul who was beating people like Anderson Silva. Folks, it's it's not close, right? I could look at that Jake Paul and say, okay, he's setting it up. Uh, he's on his back foot momentarily so he can pause and throw a straight right hand. I could call that, right? This Jake Paul, you don't know where he's going to be. Now, Let's talk about other fighters at cruiserweight. And I want to be clear here. I consider cruiserweight to be a deep division. The other day I saw Joe Smith lose to Gilberto Ramirez. Right? Just understand, both of those guys who used to be at light heavy are now at cruiser. Both of those guys would give Jake Paul a very hard time. Understand, too, you have others at Cruiser, right? Badu Jack is at Cruiser, and Badu Jack's a guy with a lot of experience. Over the years, he's fought people like James DeGale and many others, right? Makabu. You have some vet fighters. You also have Jay Opetaya, who's a mover. That'd be a fascinating fight, Jake Paul against Opetaya. But let's pick a reigning cruiserweight champion who would have a problem with the style of boxing that Jake Paul showed us yesterday. We just saw this style with more combinations, but not as much power behind the punches. When Masternak' recent fight, fought Chris Billum-Smith, who has a share of the belt at Cruiser, right? That's the division we're talking about. Understand, too. Billum Smith is 6'3", and he's a puncher. But where Jake Paul excelled in this fight, the movement, the boxing, Masternak excelled doing the same things against Billum Smith. Right? Understand. Masternak. excelled when that fight is called, because Masternak is injured, Masternak has won five of the seven rounds. And that was a fight in Billum Smith's backyard. In other words, folks, the champ in a 12-round fight had already lost five rounds to the challenger. Masternak liked this version of Jake Paul is in great shape. Is hard to find in the ring because he's moving around. When you find him, he punishes you with fast hands and combinations. That seems to be where Jake Paul is going with all this. Right? Masternak is older than Jake Paul, has spent more years in boxing than Jake Paul, knows how to put the punches together well. So Masternak figured out that he could throw combinations and have that straight right hand be a staple of the combination. Well, just to understand, Masternak faster combinations than Jake Paul, right? Longer combinations than Jake Paul. But the straight right that Masternak was throwing on Billum Smith, Jake Paul throws that straight right harder, right? Jake Paul straight right. Is an A-level punch. I think today Jake Paul would have some level of success against Billem Smith. Billem Smith's real game, again, he's a puncher, he's two-handed. Billem Smith's real game is in coming up and clinching you and throwing short punches as he's clinching you. In other words, Billem Smith can hurt you badly, throwing a 12 to 18-inch shot, right? So Jake Paul would need to stay away, right, just like Masternick did and not allow a lot of clinching. Masternak, now in his later 30s, eventually tired. And and Smith was able to get closer to Masternak in the, we'll call it the later rounds of the seven-round fight than he was early. But understand, Jake Paul, if he figures out how to stay away and not be clinched, and there are tapes you can look at, right? Pernell Whitaker, for example. Uh, Mike McCallum. People would come in and try to clinch Mike, and Mike would knock their hands down. If Jake Paul can minimize the clinching, if Jake Paul, against a 6'3 guy, can duck out and away from the clinching, I think Billum Smith would have problems. Understand too, Billum Smith like Jake Paul has his own crowd. I want people to see how vibrant the crowd was when Billum Smith fought Lawrence O'Coley and took O'Coley's title. Right folks, Billum Smith can sell out that arena in the United Kingdom. For Jake Paul, the fear would be Do I want to cross the Atlantic and risk losing some of the home flavor that I get fighting in places like Orlando, Florida, right? But understand the Jake Paul story isn't a gimmick, right? The gimmick part of the whole thing where Jake Paul's posing for the camera and, you know, you know, is talking things up and stuff like that. That's the distraction part, right? Jake Paul has an A-level straight right hand. Folks, the uppercut he threw yesterday was pitch perfect. If he can continue throwing uppercuts like that, I'd say it has an A-level uppercut. Folks, he didn't have a lot of time to throw that uppercut either, right? August is dazed off the jab. Jake Paul then has the uppercut ready, right? You look at the shape he's in and you understand this is not a carnival event. This is a guy who has put in the work, right? Now, he's always had a left hook, right? It's not A-level, but it's there. Yesterday is the first time I've seen him throw it in a way where He's trying to hurt a guy while he's on the move, right? This is a heavy-handed guy who, if he continues to develop punches, like the uppercut that won yesterday's fight, if he continues to go to the body, he throws body shots yesterday, folks, right? If he can lull an opponent into not realizing that he has a nuclear straight right hand. Kind of like a play on Jili Zhang, who has a great left, but he also has a concussive right hand that he saves for big moments. Jake Paul could surprise people. Right? So let me just point out, too. He's at Cruiser. There are other options. There's something called the Bridgerweight division. Right? At Cruiser, you have some highly skilled fighters who've fallen on hard times. Right, Macabu for some reason, has been losing recent fights. Right, Jake Paul can work his way into the division. I don't believe he's ready for a body hunter like Gilberto Ramirez, who also has an excellent jab and who's big, quite frankly, for even Cruiser. Right? But let's just say Jake Paul has time to work up to fights like that. Right, As for other fighters in other weight classes who might be thinking about fighting Jake Paul, I know Jake Paul wants Canelo. Well, first understand the Canelo group of prospective opponents includes some heavy-duty legacy fights for Canelo. Right, David Benavides, folks, that's a heavy duty legacy fight. Right, Jannebeck, the middleweight champion. I believe that would be a heavy duty Canelo legacy fight. Let's remember too, Canelo you know would force Jonabell to come fight him at 168. Right, Canelo himself is a former middleweight champion. And of course, Terence Crawford Right? If you ask me to name the best in the sport pound for pound, folks, my pick today would be Terence Crawford. Right? Not in a way I give in a way high praise not Canelo. Right? It would be Terence Crawford. Right? So just to understand for Canelo who had a gimmicky fight against Jamel Charlo Right? No one could fault Canelo if he says, okay, that's it, I'm going to fight Benavides now. Room temperature is hot for that fight. Right? There's a guy fighting later today, David Morrell. I believe he has over 100 amateur wins and only two amateur losses. Right? Former Cuban national champion. He wants Canelo. You also have the weight gap problem. Jake Paul's up at 200. Canelo fights at 168. Right? I don't know how they would work through that part of the contract. Is Canelo prepared to fight a guy, even a guy, who is new to the sport of boxing, although now it's been a few years? At 200 pounds, especially if Canelo, like me, can just look on film and say, that's an A-level straight right hand, right? Realizing the risk involved of possibly getting caught by Jake Paul. Understand, if Canelo gets caught by David Benavides or gets caught by Zanebek, right, we'll say, well, you know, Benavides is a guy who had the share of the 168-pound title twice, Right, Beck is the reigning 160-pound champion. Anybody can get caught. Canelo got caught by a champion. That wouldn't hit Canelo's career like getting caught by a guy who just had a fight that was scheduled to go for eight rounds. Let's also be clear, too. I know on the telecast they were saying um, August had a five-match winning streak. Let's be clear on that. Right? Of the five matches, several of them, the majority of them, came against guys with losing records. Right? Now, I looking at film, think that Andre August is actually a decent fighter. Right? But legacy wise critics would point that out if Jake Paul were to then suddenly beat Canelo. Right? You see the beating, by the way, that Tyson Fury is taking, having been tested. That's all it takes. Tested by Francis and right? You have a whole group of the boxing community that came out. Many of them, hardcore boxers, right, former champions, who are saying, "Hey, I think he lost that fight," right? People like Carl Froch, Hall of Famer Carl Froch, right? A Canelo might pause before fighting <laughs> uh, a Jake Paul uh, and finding himself in the position that Tyson Fury is right now, right? Fury, after years, by the way, of avoiding Usyk, now suddenly is fighting Usyk twice, right? You might see a causal connection in some of all of this. Well, anyway, to sum up, I think Jake Paul looked great yesterday, right? I lost on the bet. I was not expecting Jake Paul by early first round KO. Um, Loss is mine. But uh, let's just say I do think this Jake Paul right now, if he continues working, if I were his crowd, I would be privately contacting Chris Bill and Smith's people to see if they can arrange for a fight in the United Kingdom for a huge crowd there, right? understand, if Jake Paul loses that fight the way Masternak just did, where he's up five rounds to two and then can't continue because of, uh, depending on reports, muscle tear or rib injury, fine, that would be a win for Jake Paul. If Jake Paul lands some shots, beats a reigning champion, keep in mind, again, it's an A-level straight right hand. He only has to be right once with it. Let's say he lands some shots, and then he calls to a decision right behind having landed the tougher shots and what have you, right? If he gets a knockdown, just one knockdown in the fight, think Devin Haney, Regis Progre, and wins a decision, boxing will have been turned upside down, right? I'm taking Jake Paul very seriously. When I look at his films here for this fight, for example, I'm not thinking uh, of you know him as a dilettante in any way. I'm just judging him like I'm judging fighters. I thought he was in great shape. I thought he moved well. I thought he tried to throw a variety of punches. Right? The left hook that caught my eye missed August. I thought August was trying his best to be elusive and to get inside. This was a real opponent, folks. Right? I give August credit for landing 60% of the 10 shots he threw. Right. Let's remember the fight was just getting started, quite frankly. right. Jake Paul was surprising with the strategy. I give Jake Paul credit for not pursuing the Ryan Garcia path and for actually trying to develop other punches around his marquee straight right hand. That's the fight I saw. Tell us the fight you saw in the comment section of this YouTube video.